Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We read from Exodus chapter 5. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is Yahweh, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know Yahweh, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please, let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to Yahweh our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. The same day Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen, You shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But the number of bricks that they made in the past you shall impose on them. You shall by no means reduce it, for they are idle. Therefore they cry, Let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on the men, that they may labor at it, and pay no regard to lying words. So the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily tasks each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people said, of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten, and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday as in the past? Then all the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. Behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to Yahweh. Go now and work. No straw will be given you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your tasks, your daily task each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out from Pharaoh, and they said to them, Yahweh, look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned to Yahweh and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. This is the word of the Lord. Our text today begins with that word afterward. Um, yesterday's text concluded with Moses and Aaron going to the people of Israel and sharing with them God's plan of salvation, of deliverance from Pharaoh and from Egypt. And so now, as chapter 5 begins, we see them go to Pharaoh. As they speak, they use God's name, the divine name that God gave to Moses back in chapter 3, Yahweh, the statement of belief that he is. They call this God by his name. 
and they give the demand of God that Pharaoh would let his people go. And again, this, this instruction, this command from the Lord to Pharaoh, it's not, it's not a promise that they're even coming back, right? Let them go that they may serve me, as we read yesterday. Here that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. It's open-ended. Now, Pharaoh's response is understandable, right? Pharaoh does not know Yahweh, and so he says, Who is Yahweh that I should listen to him, that I should obey him? So he rejects this offer, which is still a sin. It doesn't matter that he doesn't know God. To break God's law, to go against God's word, is a sin whether you are a part of the church or not a part of the church. And so that's to be considered here. Pharaoh is still in the wrong, and he has been in the wrong for a long time. He, he stands opposed to God. Now, Moses and Aaron use a couple of tactics of logic with Pharaoh as they respond to that question. The first is that they try to re-identify Yahweh. And you can you could probably make too much of this and say that that's a, wrong for them to have done. I think it's simple enough to say, you know, Pharaoh has asked the question, he's, he's admitted he has no idea who Yahweh is, so they identify Yahweh then as the God of this group of people. Pharaoh knows them as the Hebrews. He's called them that before. And so this is the Hebrews, this is their God. That's the response. So that's one part. The other part, if Moses and Aaron end up giving him this, this idea that if they don't do this, if God's people don't go and serve him, their God might strike them down. You could ask your children um, about that if you'd like. Should Pharaoh be concerned if a lot of the people in his land get killed by God because they're not being faithful? And ultimately, the answer to that is yes. And even for Pharaoh, that should be a yes. This logic really should have had an impact. Pharaoh is part of a polytheistic culture in Egypt. And now there's certainly some truth to the idea that the pharaohs may have thought themselves to be God. But, you know, polytheistic religion, as you think of gods like Ra and and others that the, the Egyptians worshipped. And that's part of what the plagues are going to be about in the chapters that come. God is striking down the false gods of the land of Egypt. Pharaoh, for him, for Pharaoh as a polytheist, believing there are multiple gods, to hear that his slave labor force might be killed by their god if they don't do this thing, that should have at least been on his mind for consideration, um, but he clearly does not. He clearly resists that and turns aside from it uh, and shrugs it off. But he should want his workforce alive. Unless he is like the previous pharaohs who had enslaved the Hebrew people because they feared their size, in which case if they get you know struck down in part or in whole, maybe he wouldn't care because they're no longer a threat to him. It's a win-win for him. They either work or they're gone. That's another possibility there. Now, as we get to 
verse 4, we see that response from Pharaoh that he won't do it and instead puts the blame on Moses and Aaron for stopping the people from working. And I guess that makes it sound perhaps like the people thought the deliverance would be immediate. And so they started prepping instead of instead of the realization that this was going to take time, which Moses should have known. Moses was told by God that he would harden Pharaoh's heart, but that God would show his power over Pharaoh. But the people perhaps have stopped working in order to prepare their sacrifices. That's a, that's a could-be kind of situation here. Pharaoh also says the people of the land are many. That might be his, his reference here for the idea that his concern is over all that lost labor. You know, if it's if you're talking about losing 10 slaves for three days, not a big deal. If you're talking about losing, you know, a million slaves for three days, that's a big deal. There's a big difference between those two things. Now, again, there's no end table set for the time period of this journey for God's people. That's one. The other way that he could be speaking this, though, is out of fear. Again, just as just as it had been before, that if for previous pharaohs, if this fear of the new the, the number of this group of Israelites, this Hebrew people, if they're idle, if they have too much time on their hands, then maybe rebellion will come into their mind, and so they must be kept busy. That's another possibility, and probably fitting with the the response that Pharaoh gives of hardening their task and blaming it on their own idleness. So Pharaoh does exactly that. He makes their work harder. Uh, bricks were made out of straw. They had a certain quota to hit each day of bricks to make for, for building up Pharaoh's kingdom. And he decides to pull the plug on giving them the supplies. They still have to make the same number of bricks, but now they have to get all the supplies for themselves. And they can't rely on the aid of the Egyptian taskmasters to, to deliver for them. So the idleness is blamed there in verse 8. Now, this whole thing, this response of Pharaoh is not wisdom. This isn't, this isn't a wise move. If you have a, a slave labor force and they are rebelling against you, and while well, they're starting to resist you, Making things worse for them is not a good idea. Doesn't seem wise. It seems like it would only spur rebellion. But he was the king of Egypt, and this is what he chose to do. As we get into the next paragraph there, the taskmasters give the message to the people. They force them to do these things. Uh, they... Tell them to complete their work each day, even though, again, the work has been made so much harder. And when the work is not accomplished, today and yesterday, so it's been two days of this, the foremen are beaten for it. And so the foremen gather together and they go to Pharaoh, which is, you know, that's a bold move to approach the king of Egypt himself uh, for for slaves, and yet they do it, and they go and they speak even more boldly as they say, the fault is in your own people. Don't blame us. And that's that's a, quite an assertion. 
whether it's true or not, it wouldn't matter uh, to speak that to the one who has enslaved you. Take some nerve, take some guts. Now, in verse 17, Pharaoh responds to them softly. I mean, Pharaoh could have easily uh, done any number of punishments to them for speaking to him in such a manner in his kingdom, in his own throne room. But he chooses to reply simply as matter-of-factly um, with what he sees. And again, it's his, his false idea that it is idleness, it's laziness that has caused them to want to sacrifice to their God. Now, as you... You see them leave. They then turn the blame on Moses and Aaron. They put the blame for their situation, for the the hardship of labor put on the, the Hebrew people, and for the beating that they just endured. They blame all of it on Moses and Aaron for doing this thing, and they say, may Yahweh judge you. Also strong words. We're seeing a lot of strong speeches in this chapter today. May Yahweh, well, they don't say may, Yahweh look on you and judge. It's basically speaking a curse on Moses and Aaron. They're wishing that God would basically strike them down because of all the pain that they've brought on the people. In my book, this is not idle, spelled I-D-L-E. This is idle, spelled I-D-O-L. Their problem is not laziness here. Their problem is idolatry. They are not trusting in the Lord. And so you can you can talk to your kids about this. Has God, well, what has God promised to this people? And for that, you can go back to the previous chapter and you can read what Moses and Aaron do share with them. And the people believed it. The people bowed their heads. They worshiped. They were thankful that God had heard their prayers. They were thankful that he had sent someone to deliver them. And yet at the first sign of trouble, they're gone. They give up. They are idolatrous. So what is the idol? The idol is earthly life. The idol is comfort. The idol is the idea that they wouldn't have to suffer. And all that I just said is an idol for us today. The American church suffers from all of those idols as we, we fail to trust in God and his promise of deliverance. And instead we seek to prolong our days in this life and to better our days in this life, even at the expense of, of loving our neighbor, at the expense of sharing the gospel. So not, not good. Lastly, then, we see Moses respond, and he turns to God, and he does the same thing. How simply Moses comes unraveled here as he turns on the Lord and, and blames him. Why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? Since I came. Makes it sound like he's been there a long time, doesn't it? We only hear of two days of harder labor. Short-sightedness, can't see the big picture, probably a part of the conversation today. Moses often will prove to be blunt in his prayers in the book of Exodus. Uh, and just as I mentioned, that it was quite bold for the 
foreman to say what they said to Pharaoh. For Moses to say this to God is fairly bold as well. It's foolish. It's dangerous to speak this way to the Holy Lord of heaven and earth. But God allows it. And God continues to work with and through Moses, which is what we're going to see tomorrow. As God is going to promise that deliverance once again. Is